0: and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by my guest, Gadiel Morantes, President of Early Growth. Gadiel, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Laurel. I'm excited to be here.
0: So you know, between you, me, and the wall, we usually, and of course, all our listeners, we usually don't have service-based businesses on the podcast. We usually cover CPG brands, but I thought We needed to have you on because what you guys do for those brands is so incredibly valuable. So can you just give us like a snapshot of the company?
1: Sure. Happy to. Um, Early growth, uh, we are an outsourced accounting and finance provider for a lot of fast-growing businesses throughout the U.S. So we support them in a couple of different ways. Uh, We have a tax practice, valuations practice, but the real meat of the business is helping clients with their transactional accounting needs and uh, CFO consulting needs. And so, I mean, the company can be anywhere and we work with them remotely. And, you know, obviously a lot of fast growing companies need that support before they hire internally.
0: And we hear the term fractional CPA. Is that what you guys do? And can you define what that actually means?
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, and and yeah, we we consider ourselves a, a fractional CFO organization, so we do have CPAs that are on staff that will help with more of the uh, the tax type of work and in, in technical accounting, but at the end of the day. Um, you know, fractional is is a way to describe it because we're not um, helping those companies full time. So we have our staff that effectively works a you know certain number of hours each month with the different businesses because they don't quite need that full time resource yet.
0: Got it. So that's usually where kind of a startup might start with you guys because they, like you said, don't need someone full time.
1: That's that's correct. That's correct. So they start with us and then the hope is that they grow and scale and, and are killing it and, and to the point that they need a full-time strategic help and and bring in that accounting in-house. But in the earlier stages, what we see a lot of these businesses do is the focus on the accounting and finance side isn't uh, the highest priority and it shouldn't be, it should be really growing your business. And so that's where we can plug ourselves in. We're more cost effective than than having a full-time resource and, and we can sc- scale and grow with you, but but there is that time where you just outgrow us. And, and we're thrilled to see those clients kind of get to that stage where they got to bring it in house and, and start building it out on their own. But um, we're, we're there to help along the way.
0: You know, that's actually exactly who we are on the marketing side. We come in and we put together the full plan. But like you, if we're doing our job right, then we should be getting these brands to a point where they are so successful that they have to hire internally. So I love that the goal, the end goal is not to stay with these brands for life, the goal is to really get them to a point where they um, are so, so, so um, successful and need full-time support in-house. So I think that that's a really great distinction between what you do and what a lot of um, general CPAs and, and firms out there do. I think the fact that you focus on the startup community and the ecosystem is really valuable.
1: Yeah, we, we love it. And that's that's part of uh, what really attracts me to the 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 company we are and and kind of the service we offer. And I I imagine just like you and uh, how you partner up with your clients, we get to see so many exciting businesses, so many different types of businesses as well. And to be able to add value and and to be a a true partner with them early in those early days um, makes those success stories that much sweeter. 100%.
0: And, you know, you said it's not the thing they should focus on. And I actually want to disagree with you on that a little bit because of my own experience that I want to share with you and with the audience, which is I Hate numbers. I've always hated them. I have, I'm a little dyslexic, so I always get them like messed up and backwards. And I will tell you that when I started working with my first financial services firm and eventually hired a CPA full time, as soon as I started giving reverence to my numbers and really reading it like a diary, that's when my business really flourished. So, can you differentiate between the not focusing all your energy on it and using your numbers as kind of a of the high watermarks of a brand of a new business.
1: Oh, that's yeah. That's a great point, and 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 by all means, I I didn't mean it wasn't important. It is incredibly (laughs) important. (laughs) Um, But you know, I guess the way I position it more is is we're really there for the companies to be able to entrust us with kind of the heavy lifting, right? And we work with a lot of first-time entrepreneurs, a lot of folks that don't necessarily know the full or have that full visibility into what those financials look like, or you know, working through a financial model or projections, and where we can add a lot of value and even coach those, um, those CEOs and founders up so that they truly understand what, that, wh- what those numbers mean to them and their business. Um, we work with a lot of venture-backed uh, businesses as well. And so for them, the importance of being able to communicate the financial uh, aspect of their company to investors is also very key. I know with uh, CPG companies, a lot of them en- end up exploring and-, and taking on some type of debt instrument. And so, you know, from that regard, you know, there's a lot of numbers involved in that and-, and behind that. And so that's where it's really partnering with those companies, helping them along the way, helping them understand those those metrics and those um you know, those key points that they need to achieve to kind of get them to that next level. That's where we truly shine. Because um, numbers are important. At the end of the day, you don't want to come come up to uh, not being able to to pay your people or, or, you know, pay your providers to help you grow that business. So you always have to have a good handle on it. And that's, that's where we step in and just uh, are, are trying to give them all those tools uh, at the early stages.
0: And that's really why I thought this was such an important conversation. I know that well, probably for you, you find all of this work very sexy, right? You think numbers are sexy and spreadsheets are sexy. Do you actually? I'm going to ask that question. Do you think numbers and spreadsheets are sexy?
1: Um, you know, personally, I uh, you know the, the the finance piece of it. That's why I've got tremendous CFOs and accountants that that truly dig into those numbers. But to to be uh, honest, on my end, uh, numbers are not my strong suit. Um, you know, being out there in the market, building relationships with folks like you and other other key um, you know people. In the ecosystem are, are really where I end up shining. And so I, I don't consider myself a numbers guy, but it, it is my business and it's something that's very valuable. And, and you know, the, I think the sexiness comes in the types of different types of companies that we work with, which is truly the exciting part.
0: Hmm. Although I have to say, the numbers are really sexy when it's kind of like right? <laughs> do that. Do that. <laughs> I guess they can be sexy. We just answered our own question. And I mean, the other really great thing that you guys do that I think is also an important differentiator because we've been working with you guys and the, your companies that you work with for a long time now. And one of the things that I always found so remarkable about how you connect people is that you also are so deeply entrenched in the venture community. I think you mentioned it briefly when you were speaking last, but can you speak to a little bit about how you you connect the dots? Because I really do think that aside from building out performas and you know spreadsheets and cash flow projections and all of the stuff that we've got to do as business owners to make sure that we're on top of everything, the other really big benefit of working with a firm like yours is those kinds of connections. So can you just chat a little bit with us about? How you do that
1: absolutely and in you're exactly right I mean I think when you're when you're starting a business and early on you know you're you're bootstrapping it a lot of times you bring in friends and family uh, money to, to kind of help you along but you know trying to get to that true hockey stick, a lot of times it's going to take outside capital. And and for us, and we hear about a lot of these companies getting funded, it is that venture community. And so, you know, as part of kind of the value add we provide to many of our clients is just the ability to, you know, potentially connect them to these investors throughout the US. So, you know, as an organization, we're headquartered in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. We've been here for, you know, 12 plus years at this point, but we also have folks on the ground in New York, LA, Chicago, Seattle, in Portland and in doing that and in working with so many venture backed businesses we really focus in on how to build more relationships with the venture community so that when we do work with a company that is out there fundraising trying to get a seed round a series A a series B you know hopefully there's a couple of relationships we've got in the ecosystem that we can leverage and and, and say hey I've got an exciting virtual reality company are you interested in in taking a look here's their pitch deck and so for us a lot of that connectivity is really important because we want this whole ecosystem to flourish and the way it flourishes is through, truly through through making those connections and, and helping companies and founders um, with additional connections that they may not already have. And, you know, it's a small ecosystem. And, and you know, the more companies it that really succeed. Is. When you're
0: in it, you see how small it is. It's just wild, right?
1: It really is. It really is. And that's why, you know, folks like you, folks like us, I mean, the, the, the more we're able to bring that world together, the the better off we all end up being. And, and the more companies will be out there to succeed at the end of the day.
0: I love it. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. When we get back, I want you to share with us some of like the the best practices and then some of the like crazy horror stories and how you've helped kind of bridge the gap between the two. So stay tuned. Hi, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Gadiel Morantes, president of Early Growth. Uh, Gadiel, before the break, we were talking about the networks and the connectivity and how it is so important and so much a part of your ethos as a company to not just help the companies you work with on the financial side, but really to get them into those ecosystems. So you have seen the entire universe of good, bad, and ugly as it relates to startup land. Can you share with us some of the best practices, things that startups need to do, ASAP, like what are the most important things that a startup needs to have under their belt to get funded and or to be profitable.
1: Yeah, great question, Laurel. And, and you know, I think the first thing to start with is figuring out your team, not only the the team you have within the organization, you know, whether you're the founder or co-founder, but also the business partners you, you leverage and, and bring in, whether that's the corporate attorney, making sure they have the appropriate background and experience for the type of company you are, and also finding ways to see how they can be additive to your business. Um, you know, on the finance side, what we see sometimes, which, you know it's quite a pain, is when you you mingle in kind of the personal and business expenses, or you're not setting up a separate bank account from day one. Those are really easy things to do that can help you down the road so that you're not having to, you know, unwrap all that messiness. You know, come tax time, or you know, an investor comes in and says, Hey, you know, you've been Charging all this on a personal credit card, like that's just not going to fly at the end of the day. So truly treating your business as a as a standalone can be really important, especially if you're going to go out and fundraise down the road.
0: Can I we think- talk that a little bit more. I just want to I have a couple questions on that. Why do you think? Um, founders is, is it lack of knowledge is it fear like what is it that stops them from taking that right path because it seems like a no-brainer to separate I mean that's I, I, you know as a back have a, have a background as a lawyer and so for me it's the liability and then of course the tax implications I that comes to me very naturally but to most founders like you said they have these really big roadblocks that they put in front of themselves by not separating their personal and their professional financial lives why do you think that is?
1: You know, I, I think we're just working with a lot of first-time founders and, and mm. you know, just not understanding the, you know, kind of the the stepping stones, if you will, of getting to that next stage. And, you know, frankly, a lot of times the advice they're getting too is, well, you know, you're starting a business, but you're kind of, you know, I think the outside perception can sometimes be you're just dabbling in that business and maybe it mm. won't make it, maybe it'll fail. But I think if there's true belief in, in what you're trying to accomplish as a founder, you got to kind of make that leap. And, and, you know, I think, you know, company formation and and figuring out, you know, there are avenues you can use, um, you know, you being a lawyer and kind of having that context, you can have a pass through entity, you can set up an LLC, you can, you know, kind of, play around to, to see before you get to that true C corp where, you know, it's going to matter and you're going to get kind of that outside funding. So there's ways to structure your business early on, but that's, that's why you want to, you know, talk to the professionals out there and and leverage their advice. And, and I think Laurel, you know, things like, you know, this podcast and, you know, the expertise that you offer, the expertise I offer, you know, I, I do this with a lot of companies where I'll just sit down with them for 30, 45 minutes and, and, you know what I like to say is kind of give them free advice because I want them to totally. start it off on the on, on, on a good footing instead of having to unravel something down the road. So I cannot agree with you more on
0: that. I think it's it's amazing how many startups and first time founders and I think that is exactly the right point that you pointed out that that's why people don't kind of get it. But these conversations with with service based businesses like ours are free to start. Like we're we're pitching and we and we I think brands need to know that. So use the free advice. That's what it's there for.
1: Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, kind of tying back to the earlier conversation of, you know, we're, we're all in this together. And I truly believe oh, that. Okay. And, and we spend a lot of time with incubators, accelerators, companies coming out of college, you know, first time founders. And, you know, my belief is always, you know, I'd rather just give them, you know, some of my free time now, you know, hopefully you're building some goodwill, but more importantly, you're helping them kind of set, set themselves up to succeed. And, and it's also an opportunity to connect them to other, individuals and other folks that can potentially help them down the road.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, our really our businesses are relationship businesses at the end of the day, but I actually think the most important piece of that entire conversation aside from of course asking for support and help, which is why we're, we're here, is the energy that people put around their business versus just dabbling like you said. And I think that's why, you know, we were this conversation around why you're not treating your business as um, intentionally as you should to really be a successful startup is so critical right now. So I I think that point, I I just kind of wanted to reiterate to our audience that you have to treat your business like a business. It cannot be a hobby. There are very few startups out there that don't have founders that are putting in 60 to 100 plus hours a week. And you cannot do that if you're just dipping a toe. So I love that you made that statement.
1: Oh, you're you're so right, and 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 you know these are, uh, you know I always say the, these companies are everybody's babies, right? At the end of the day, and it's it's important to treat it as such. You got to be careful with it. You got to nurture it. You got to help it grow. You got to find, you know, it takes it takes a village, as they say, right? And so, same thing with a startup. You're going to need to leverage a lot of different people for their advice, for their guidance, for their money. <laughs> frankly, you mm-hmm. know, first time, you know, first customers. A lot of times, those first comp- customers are are you uh, asking for a and saying, hey, you know, try me out, be a, you know, be a reference for me, help me get in the door, leverage those networks. And and that's the other important part, Laurel, I think, is just understanding that you're always in that relationship network mode. And you never know when that next key conversation is going to be had. So working and understanding what your pitch is, understanding what your value prop is, you know, you could be spending 15 minutes at a you know, well, in, in in COVID times, it's a little bit harder to run into people at restaurants and bars, but, you know, right. pra- practice your pitch on an elevator. That's why they call it an elevator pitch. You know, practice it in the grocery line. I mean, all those types of things are going to just help you articulate your your value prop in your business down the road.
0: 100%. I mean, I've closed business on airplanes sitting next to random people who <laughs> just happen to be in a business that I could help. You know, like you said, you never know where the work's going to come from.
1: Absolutely.
0: They're going to come from. Um, I want to shift focus and talk a little bit about the energy around money because I think it's a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very challenging oftentimes conversation. Why do you think people give so much negative, positive or other energy to the conversation around money?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, with, with the types of companies and businesses we work with, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, news. There's a lot of kind of general advice out there that, that taking in outside capital from day one, um, can really be just additive to your business. But, you know, kind of what, I always help, you know, kind of educate folks on is, you know, you want to get to that place where you're not giving up on the leverage of your business, right? Try to get to revenue as quickly as you can. Try to get a client base as quickly as you can. Prove that that business can grow and scale so that when you're getting that money in, it's almost that I don't need it kind of factor that kind of gets baked Mm -hmm. in where – It's better to, you know, it's better to ask for it, you know, when you don't need it than it is, you know, when you absolutely need it. And so I think with venture funding and and any funding, frankly, um, you know, you are introducing outside people to your business. So you're starting to release a little bit of control in the company or you're just going to have more people having input into your business. And so I think that's something that's really important to navigate at the early stages and, and understanding you know, I I tell this to founders all the time, not all money is equal, right? You can have a really good investor that's strategic, that knows your business, that can introduce you to clients, or you can have, you know, what I kind of call dumb money, which is just, hey, I'm making a bet in this company, I'm going to write you a check, but then they don't truly understand what that investment means on their side, right? So there can be a lot of competing factors when it comes to Taking in that outside capital or raising that raising those rounds of, uh, of funding down the road. Um, so I think understanding those considerations are really really important for founders, especially first time founders that that don't understand or haven't gone through the process before.
0: And that's exactly why having an asset like early growth on your side to walk you through. Because the truth is, you have pro- there's probably very few scenarios you haven't seen at this point, right?
1: Oh, completely agree. I mean, we've seen big rounds. We've been small rounds. I've seen, uh, you know, angel investors that didn't align. I've seen, uh, you know, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of it. I'm sure I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot of it over the course of the years.
0: Well, and that's really the takeaway is that there are other people. And I think that this is an issue in startup, in the startup ecosystem in general, is that people get this like lone wolf syndrome and they're like, I can figure it all out. I've got it handled. I don't need to ask for help. And the truth is, is that there's no weakness in asking for help. And in fact, it will get you to a point of profitability and success far faster. And that's why having experts within their fields like early growth is so critical.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and also leveraging the other founders in the ecosystem. You know, I think, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, conversations I have with investors all the time is where do you get your deal flow most, right? You have folks like early growth sending you deals or sending you opportunities. But the number one thing is founders that they funded in the past. Because they trust those people, they understand, they know their their the type of companies they built. They know what that investment relationship looks like. There's founder groups out there as well that you can join, and and just tapping on the shoulder and, and leveraging that advice can be super helpful at the earlier stages.
0: So helpful as is this conversation. We're going to take another quick break, and then I want to continue down the path of like the things founders need to have, best questions to ask, how to get started, all that good stuff. So stay tuned. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Chatting with Gadiel Morantes, president of Early Growth. We were just talking about the startup ecosystem and lone wolf syndrome and how it's all about connections and leveraging opportunities and relationships. I want to go through some of the biggest questions that founders come to you with so that they can think, people who are listening and who are thinking about starting a business or, or who are already in that process, can really start to critically think through those questions as it relates to their businesses. So what are like the top few questions that you get um, within this ecosystem?
1: That's a great question. And and at the very early stages, I think, you know, it's almost more of a legal question that I get than an accounting one is is really, you know, what's the company formation going to look like? And who should I talk to to help me kind of set up my entity and my business? Um, And the frequent answer there is if you plan on raising outside capital, if you plan on bringing on investors, um, it's going to be a Delaware C Corp. It, it just is, um, you know, the, the it's a high percentage of businesses formed that way. Um, you know, being on the accounting and finance side, the, the early stages, a lot of it does come down to, you know, taxes and just the basic tax return, the federal return, you know, whatever individual state returns are. But those are pretty easy to navigate. Um, but again, it really comes down to, you know, setting up the corporation in the right way. You know, as we mentioned earlier, making sure you're setting up a separate bank account for your business separate corporate credit cards, making sure that, you know, personal and business is completely separated. And then as we go down the road, you know, a lot of it does come down to what do investors want to see? Um, You know, how do I raise that first round of capital, that pre-seed or that seed round? And a lot of the advice I do give is just really proving that traction and proving a little bit of revenue. Um, In the past, we used to see a ton of companies with the quote unquote freemium model. And, and they would just get a user base and they would work that way. But, you know, what more investors want to see now is, yes, they want to see that traction, but they want to see at least a path to revenue. Even if it's small revenue, at least it proves that people are willing to pay for the service that you're creating or the widget or whatever it is on, on that side. And that's that's very important. Um, you know, it, it's 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 great having this conversation with you, Laurel, just because I think the branding piece of it becomes increasingly, increasingly important. Important as well, and, and trying to position yourself in the marketplace, especially obviously if you're a CPG, um, you know, type of company. But I think that goes across with with many different companies. Um, just understanding what that value prop is and what they how what and how they're going to position themselves in the marketplace.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, differentiation is, is key, and especially because there are more and more startups starting up every single day. I mean, I think we just had you know a three-minute conversation and five new startups just started while we were talking, <laughs> probably. Um, so I think the differentiation point is really critical. Absolutely.
1: I agree. I agree. wholeheartedly. Oh,
0: what other kinds of questions are you getting uh, in any kind of frequency that startups, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs listening in might want to know about?
1: Yeah, you know, as the company matures and kind of gets to that, uh, to that where, where they're you know starting to realize some traction, starting to realize a little bit of growth, um, it's really that forecasting. How to how to best forecast the next three to five years, and, and how to model that out, and, and that obviously is a, a service we provide. But you know, just having the varying degrees of background and experience in different types of, uh, of verticals, I, I think, just lends us to be able to support those companies when they do have those questions. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a, I'm not an Excel uh, you know jockey, and a, a, <laughs> you, I don't very much enjoy being um, in there, kind of modeling these out. But you know, there's folks that are out there, and and our CFOs uh, you know love that kind of work because they're rolling up their sleeves, they're adding value, they're they're helping project out what the company is going to look like in three to five years. They're helping with pricing strategy and expansion and all those types of things, which are really really um, important. And then you know, kind of tying it back to the network effect, really, I mean, a, a big, big question I get is how do I get in front of more investors? And and I think it, it ties back to really, you know, starting those conversations frequent and early and, and leveraging connections. And so, you know, when you're not raising or you're not there, um, I, I have a number of founders that have found ways to get introduced to specific investors that are, are in their vertical and sharing with them just updates general updates on the business trying to you know ask them for advice i think that's what's wonderful about kind of the world we live in and and the types of companies we support is that we all want to help each other out and investors are the same way. They want to help as many companies out and and be knowledgeable and early in knowing those companies. And so I think, you know, part of that is just leveraging the network early, even though you're not at that stage where you're going to need to fundraise or, or, or expand, but have those conversations early.
0: I couldn't agree more. I was actually the last, um, podcast we did, we were having a similar conversation with a CPG brand in the food space. And the conversation we were having was about how startups, they they are so anxious about the fundraising experience. But the truth is, is that All of those VC, angels, VCs, and even up to institutional and PE, like they're there to make money. So they're looking for those companies as much as those companies are looking for cash from those um, firms. So it is an ecosystem. I know we've said that word like a billion times on this call, but I I think it's like you, you think that you have to be like bend over basically for those companies. And the truth is, is that they need you as much as you need them
1: absolutely absolutely and and yeah i mean there's a reason investors are doing their own events and networking and getting out in the ecosystem because they, they they need to find those companies they're always on the hunt for the next the next shiny thing you know i've talked to investors in the past and it's similar to the way i position myself where you know we are all just looking for a seat at the table. I don't need to win every deal. I don't need to talk to every company, but you know I talked to an investor once. he you know I asked him his opinion on, on, a, on a big company, and he's like, you know, I don't know if I would have invested, but I, I sure would have liked to have seen the, that opportunity back when it was brand new and young, because right. you know maybe I would have
0: Right. Well, I think I want to make sure we touch upon a couple of initiatives you guys are working on right now and some questions about kind of the current ecosystem um, with you know, the political environment and Black Lives Matter and all of that. Um, can you speak to us about the uh, specific campaign that you've recently launched to focus on Black-run businesses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we've as an organization, we've always been very active in, in you know working with early stage businesses and and companies coming out of incubators and accelerators by offering them up some office hours or just you know that time with some of our CFOs and professionals for them to be able to pick their brains. Uh, but recently, we did launch a, a Black Lives Matter um, focus where you know we're we're granting a couple of companies, I believe it's two companies, um, basically some free services. I think the, uh, the amount is $10,000 worth of free services that, you know, we're basically fronting for these businesses, understanding that, you know, there's many new companies out there, the, you know, the, the minority, um, you know, led businesses, you know, it, it's really important to help all businesses succeed, but I think giving an opportunity to some of these, um, you know, founders and, and being able to give them some insight and, and, and free services, frankly, around, um, their accounting and finance needs uh, has been stellar and we've gotten a great response out there in the community and are really looking to continue to, to do more around the diversity of, of other businesses and, and, you know, the founders um, of those companies.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's a perfect segue. How can people get in touch with you should they need you or your services?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find us at uh, earlygrowth.com. And um, if they'd like to reach out to me personally, happy to happy to speak or, or connect with folks. Um, you know, they can email me directly at Gadiel at earlygrowth, G A D I E L, at earlygrowth.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to close on kind of a personal note, because we've been talking so much business. Uh, I always like to ask a couple of weird, wacky questions at the end of every conversation. So the first question is, what is your favorite word and why? It could be whatever comes to mind currently, or it could be a word that you've just loved your entire life, but want to get inside the head, your head as an entrepreneur as well.
1: That's a great question. And <laughs> um, I don't know why this is the first word that popped into my head, but it was pizza maybe because I do have a (laughs) a fascination with pizza and a love for pizza. But uh, uh, funny, funny enough, I think you caught me off guard on that one.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm gonna try and catch you off guard again. Uh, (laughs) And the next question is favorite cocktail.
1: Oh, I'm a big IPA uh, drinker. So I I love uh, West Coast IPAs. I'm, I'm more of a beer drinker than a than an actual cocktail drinker. So that's that's kind of my beverage of choice.
0: So you had me on the pizza and then beer, I'm not, I mean, I guess I can have a martini (laughs) while you're drinking a beer. There's no harm in that.
1: There you go. There you go.
0: (laughs) Gadiel, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. This was really fun and informative. And um, I really hope and I think that the listeners gained a lot of insights in uh, this conversation. So thank you so, so much for being here today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Laurel. and, And thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the time.
0: And thanks, guys, for tuning in and stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.